Exactly. <laughs> Everything I use lags now, but the, the software I use for video editing, I thought, oh, it's so much faster. And then, like, the last one I've been working on, it's got, like, fucking... I, I upload, like, a hundred pictures on it, because I'm going to do, like, an Elon Musk thing. And I need all the receipts. And it's just slowed it right down. And I have, like, a hundred tabs open in Chrome, which probably isn't helping at all. Oh, yeah. It eats up the RAM, for sure. I'm sitting here considering, like switching off of chrome but i also really like being logged in with my google account you know <laughs> like the yeah struggle it's just is real. so simple and like i thought we all agreed that firefox was bad and then everyone's like oh i go back to firefox i don't want to do that they worked on their formula it's like domino's pizza it was so bad that they had to do a whole bunch of uh, commercials about how bad their pizza was and that they were listening to feedback and they would do it different and now their pizza slaps oh my god did they actually do pieces commercials about how bad their pizza was yeah, they were like, we've heard your feedback, and it's like, it's a pretend boardroom where they're like listening, they're like reading comments or whatever, and it's like, Domino's crust is like cardboard, and like, that's that's the actual commercial campaign, yeah. Incredible. I mean, that's, I yeah. mean, that's one way to do it. I mean, like, at least if you, if you admit that it's shit from the start, then you can only get better from there. Yeah, well, they're like, we heard your feedback and we redid our formula from the ground up. Like, we didn't just tweak the formula. We redid, we did, redid the whole thing. So it's, yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm not allowed to order Domino's anymore because apparently <laughs> it's too expensive. It is. Um, yeah, Marta's giving me a look then. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Now I've got Mediterranean in the house. I'm not allowed to have Domino's pizza. It's, it's not high quality and it costs like 15 quid. And so, um, but they also, it's just, it's just not liked around there. Like they tried to introduce it into Italy like last year, I think. Mm. And, um, it was just, you know, no one in Italy bought Domino's. They're like, they're like, this is an insult to the concept yeah, of pizza. Yeah, they have real pizza. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can get real pizza over here if you look hard enough, but I don't know. I do like a bit of, I, uh, there's something about American pizza. I think it's because they're more doughy. I think because I'm living in like, country that's the equivalent of like living inside a rain cloud but like sometimes thin crust just doesn't feel like enough yeah that's fair thin crust and it also although has to I, be done right yeah although i have heard tell and i don't know if you've been up here this is a long tangent but we can just keep going um I'd, I've, I've heard the chicago pizzas are basically just like a cheese pie i've not had that before uh, and i'm really not that interested it like to me it sounds more like a casserole like, or a, a yeah. hot dish, however you want to say it. Was it Chicago or Detroit one? Whatever one was going around on Twitter that was just like, like that's not a pizza. That's like four inches deep and just made of cheese. Like, yeah, yeah. We're talking about the same thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It, it's really like, you've got the bread like layered throughout, I think, and the sauce layered throughout. And I'm just like, I don't, right. it's like, I don't like a Big Mac either. I don't want bread in the middle of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Bread for the outside good. for a reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the. I heard the initiative of like Italy is Italy, Italy and like southern France and stuff just being like, no, that your pizza crust will basically be like the thinnest cracker in the world, and then Americans being like, no, we will make the largest, doughiest, stodgiest piece of bread. It's incredible. It's it really plays up the stereotypes. I think pizza is stodgy. What a great word. It is. Do you do you not have that word over there? <laughs> Uh, I don't, I think it's really only entering common parlance because of the popularity of the Great British Baking Show. Oh, okay. It's certainly not a word I had heard before that context came up. And I just kind of had to figure out from context in the show what the fuck he was saying. I mean, God help you if you're learning stuff from Great British Bake Off because that Mexican week looked atrocious. Like. <laughs> 
I haven't seen any of the recent stuff. Uh, there were only a few seasons available on Netflix when I went to watch it um, this summer. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother. Like, I think there's a reason most people left when it went off the BBC. Um, oh, anyway, is it not wholesome anymore? That's why. That's why I watch it. I watch it because I, I'm I like, do... these people are nice to each other. I don't know because Paul Hollywood's like a bit of a twat. Well, yeah, and yeah. And I don't know, like, I'm sure, like, like I've, I've heard that Matt Lucas and Noel Fielding are both nice people, but they did both do a lot of blackface in the 2000s. Mm. So I'm a I little like bit hesitant. I like the gay because he takes the piss out of Paul Hollywood a lot. Like, Oh, Matt Lucas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's always like, how could a self-respecting gay man say that? And <laughs> like, he's calling <laughs> Paul Hollywood gay, and I'm like, that's really funny. <laughs> it's a good bit. I'm like Todd because like I really, I quite like Matt Lucas recently, but I know like there's a lot of the stuff that he did in the early 2000s was like actually atrocious. Yeah. But like I loved him in Doctor Who, like in that that Doctor Who season where it was him and um, what's her face? Oh, I'm gonna oh I've forgotten her name. Oh, was he a companion uh, recently? Yeah, yeah, he was like a robot, an android in the season where Capaldi was like a professor, and um, he had them um, Bill. And the lesbian companion. Mm. Anyway. I've only seen good. Capaldi's first season. Dislike the show now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The, Capal- the last Capaldi season is good. And then um, and then it just... And then I haven't seen the the last few. I've not cut, caught up the Jodie Whittaker stuff. Um, mm. I got completely spoiled on the reveal from the end. So now I'm like, I don't know how the fuck David Tennant is back. And to be honest, it just sounds confusing. Um, it always has speaking been. Of, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It's never been good. Like, I, I remember, like... This, the, you know, in the Matt Smith years, there was a whole thing about, like, why did the silence come in? Why did the TARDIS blow up? And every, like, sort of mystery box thing they did led to another mystery box. Yeah. And none of it ever got wrapped up. And by the end, I was like, is this supposed to make internal sense? I really don't, I don't think, think it is. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just popcorn. Back to that, yeah, it comes back to the, like, um, show, the end of that Sherlock um, episode where they're trying to work out how he died. Where like he just looks at the camera and basically goes like, "I'm never gonna tell you." <laughs> and it's like, "Oh well, okay." <laughs> it was the point a of that? boomerang. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. <laughs> I was so excited. I wanted to know. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, audience, we're both sick, so you're just gonna have to <laughs> put up with whatever this is. <laughs> oh, this is this all going is, uh, in. This is all going in. And it's important pizza discussion. Listen, you can't talk about politics without breaking a few slices of pizza, as they don't say in my country. This is MKG podcast. It would stand for things. But to be honest, I don't really know how I would make that work. Like municipal c- college g- government? Something True. like that. Yes. <laughs> Must kill government. Um, in I Minecraft. do not endorse no, disavow. Um, <laughs> this is MKG. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about trans stuff and also other stuff um, because we talked about too much trans stuff and now we, we don't do that as much, um, but we still do sometimes. Um, I'm Kat, uh, Dr. Catherine. Uh, she, her pronouns, please. Thank you. Um, I'm a paleontologist and internet person and my co-host is also an internet person. Please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Lexander. I use uh, it, it's, or they, them pronouns. I'm non-binary, and yeah, I'm primarily an internet person. I'm not a fancy uh, person with a degree. I just uh, worked retail a lot, and then 
uh, tried to learn a trade and then realized that I have a disability. So now I am <laughs> now I'm an internet person. Hey, snap! I actually got my ADHD diagnosis last week, so nice. Here we are. Yeah, so now I can be like, when when I'm trying to work out why I, I can't make my schedule work like everyone else is, and why mm. I work at like six like two hour bursts at four a.m. instead of doing it at regular times, I can tell myself that, and then my boss can not accept that as a good reason for not finishing it on time. <laughs> True. Have you got a referral <laughs> for medication? Uh, no. So in the UK, like I I applied for this like six months ago. And I just got the diagnosis call, which I almost missed because I was out for a walk because um, given I have ADHD, I forgot that I had the call. Um, that should be so part I of answered. the diagnostic process. Like, how difficult it really, was it for you to even get here? It really should. Like, I had to work out to set up Zoom in the middle of Liverpool City Centre. And um, I eventually got it working. And I, he had, like, an hour-long conversation with me. And at the end, he was like, yeah, you have um, all of the symptoms. I'm like, great. <laughs> amazing and then uh, he says you wait four months and then we'll try to get you on some medication and they'll check your blood and then they'll do it from like zero to like fucking 100 or whatever this is what's this is the thing that bothers me about the a lot of the controlled stuff in the nhs in general to be honest because the same thing with the gender clinic stuff mm. like every time you move somewhere they start from fucking zero and work their way up and because um i'm both an academic and have been a student and am under the age of 60. So I'm always moving around the country and getting a new house every fucking year. Every year, I have to try and persuade the doctors to get me back on the dose that I was on from the start. And I was it's bad enough that I'm doing that with hormones, but now it's going to be with this as well. And if I do move to continental Europe, as I think I'm going to, I'm going to have to do that with a language barrier, which is going to be mm. very, very fun. Uh, so they don't just say, happen. like, they don't just take whatever documentation you previously had and say, yes, we're going to continue this prescription. They Do they really make you, like, start the whole process over? In in this country, they do. They're like, they're like well, we haven't seen your blood tests. Well, just like, get like, a goddamn like, copy from, like, yeah, you have a well, national system. The, the computers should be connected in some way. That's so stupid. Yes, no, it is. And yet they still want to do it themselves to make sure. I don't know if they don't trust the other people or not. At least I don't have to go through the fucking gender clinic stuff again. But oh, I'm still, God. like, I moved back to Liverpool, like, six months ago or something like that, and I still tr haven't got, like, a repeat prescription for my estrogen that I've been on for six years. Wow. Uh, so, looking forward to all that. Hopefully the Croatian medical system is different, because um, I want them to take pity on me as a foreigner, and, uh, and <laughs> let me get on with it. That's maddening. Um, it's like, it almost puts you in a situation where you don't, like, what you should do is, like fill your prescription every time you can fill it but not take it every day so that you end up with a surplus just in fucking case like comparatively here like i'm gonna like i'm already seeing a therapist and at the same clinic they do the med stuff separately and i was just like hey i'm ready to get back on adderall and she was like all right let me refer you back over there and it's like a little bit of a wait just because like there are other appointments before me but i i requested this like two or three weeks ago and I have an appointment this week on Friday to go, I mean, to like do telehealth and the same kind of thing, phone call for an hour and be like, yeah, I'm, I've been diagnosed with ADHD twice before now. So can you just put me on the pills that I've been on before? Thank you. Like, why do I have to have another assessment if I have the diet? You know, like I'm, a, I'm like mildly annoyed that I have to have another med assessment for like, just put me back on the same goddamn drugs. But, uh, I refuse to go back to the clinic that, uh, horrendously traumatized my body through the IUD placement. So 
that's that's the kind of trade-off, the slight trade-off that I'm making is, I, I think also that at the regular clinic, they would make me do um, a piss test. Like they're testing your blood, but they do a drug test. I don't know why, to make sure that you, yeah, like I think if you're on a prescription regularly, then what they want to test you for is that you have the drug in your system, I guess. So that they know that you're not selling it maybe. Um, or like I'm like I've not really been able to figure it out because it just seems like punitive uh, and invasive to me. Like, why am I having to do a drug test in order to get uh, a drug that I need to function? <laughs> it's like doing like fucking like copyright strikes on your own piss. Like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you have to make sure that I don't have cocaine in my system so that my heart right? doesn't explode from the amphetamine crossover? Like, that was the one thing I could think of is that they th they're testing for cocaine because I'm sure that can make it worse. But like, or like if you're on some other kind of amphetamine that is not um, prescription, then maybe they would be like, oh, this might have a bad interaction. But it always seems to me not just like, oh, this might have a bad interaction, but rather, oh, you know, if you're doing drugs, then we're not going to give you this. You know, like, I just, yeah, I don't know. it's just irritating. That's confusing. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like that's the two the two opposite ends of the current like systems spectrum, right? Like mm -hmm. you have like the problems of like the state owning your control, your uh, the state owning your healthcare, but you not having any democratic control in it, and like versus like the profit motive and like how dare you try and sell our stuff that we're selling to you? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, ideally, like we have like we have a publicly owned system why do we not get a say in it like if you if you um this is a call for the listeners if you've not seen um philosophy tubes latest video it's on so the good. nhs oh my fucking god i cried so much yeah like, me too. i don't even live there <laughs> it's atrocious and it genuinely got me because like we are we've been screaming for years that we just want informed consent and they just don't listen to us because they decided they know better than us and they're, they're just gonna trying make it to... worse too have you heard that news yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna make it like impossible for kids to get it, and they're gonna like what de try and detransition a bunch of people. Fucking stupid. Yeah, like they were saying, if if the NHS doctors decide that medication that you've been acquiring privately as a transgender youth, if they decide that you shouldn't be on it, they're gonna get they're gonna in initiate the safeguarding measures, which is uh, not specified in the document that they released. But as far as I understand it, generally speaking, safeguarding measures. It, it's basically like getting the state involved in an investigation where like police officers, medical personnel and social services personnel are d basically going to intervene with like a wellness check. And, and like in that way, like say, even though the private healthcare is regulated, um, we're just going to declare that according to the national health service, which you are not going to like, they just can say you're not allowed to be on it and initiate safeguarding protocol. Yeah, it's actually insane. And you can just see, like, it's just all bad faith all the way down. They're just trying to, like, it's literally just the lobbying from, like, the three transphobes in the UK that have the mm -hmm. loudest voice. They're all fucking columnists. Because, like, half this shit, like, like now they're saying that the stuff for kids, like, oh, you'll need, like, um, a doctor's letter to, like, wear different clothes. To socially transition is, because of the right. quote-unquote risks to their mental health. But also, like, when you're an adult, you're not allowed to medically transition unless you've social transitioned. So what's the... I, what? I think it's just for yeah. I think that it just applies to the to the youth. Like they they're like the doctors can't recommend to a teenager that they should socially transition. Yeah, 
But it's like this backwards like thing where it's like, oh, you can't, we can't, we can't make, you can't give you any medication unless you socially transition. But you can't socially transition until you've got a diagnosis. Like, well, how does that work? Like, mm-hmm. they wouldn't give me hormones until like they'd seem like I've been like six months dressing as a woman full time. But if I tried to do that, like, if I was a teenager in the country now, then it'd be like, oh, well, how are you you're not allowed to dress as a woman because you've not got the medical diagnosis? Like, yeah, you can't legally. get the medical. Oh, ah! <laughs> it's just all bad faith. I mean, I knew this was going to fucking happen, to be honest, because. If you if you if anyone was paying attention during the Tory leadership debate, which was ultimately quite pointless because it was like who who is gonna who are we gonna get as prime minister? It turns out both of them. Um, so anyway, there was just kind of a race to the right in terms of like how mean can you be to trans people, and Rishi Sunak desperately trying to come across as like the most socially regressive because he's a brown person. He's trying to come across like, oh no, I'm not. I'm I might be brown, but I'm not like those fucking lefties. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to make it worse and worse. Whereas Liz Truss was already a turf. We already didn't trust her. Uh, no, it's a horrible system. Um, but I do love the NHS, and I loved it a lot more before it was cash starved. And I do think that if we had, a, if we actually had a democratic say in it, as we should, given that we fucking own it, mm-hmm. um, it could be quite good. But there's this whole thing, and it's the same with their mental health stuff. If anything's stigmatized, they make it as hard to get as possible because someone in the government is like, well should people really be able to get this? Yeah, like administrators determining that medical care is is not actual medical care. Like, this is the problem that we're running into in the United States where we have the democratic process in place where we vote, a democratic-republican process where you vote in for your representatives and your representative then, like, is supposed to listen to correspondence from their constituents and vote according to their values or whatever um, in the legislative process where you make the laws. And so you have a place like Florida where they tried to pass a law sometime in 2021 that would make it so that uh, trans kids can't access medical care. And they failed to do that. So what they did instead was, first of all, they they said like, oh, according to uh, according to us, we have determined that there isn't enough evidence to conclude that transition is is like valid medical care so the first thing they did was took it off of medicaid like the state insurance like we instead of having a national health system we do have a national health insurance for poor people and disabled people uh and so if you're on public insurance meaning like if you're poor you can't get access to any transition related care using that insurance in the state of florida and the second thing that they did was that Governor DeSantis installed a bunch of cronies on the Board of Medicine, and the Board of Medicine just kind of unilaterally, like outside the law, like using this uh, executive process outside the the democratic process, just decided that transition-related care, like there's quote-unquote not enough evidence, and then they had a whole bunch of detransitioners come in and talk about how harmful it was. So they're quite literally, in my country, usurping democracy in order to instate transphobic legislation and declare that it's child abuse and stuff like that as well it's quite fitting that florida is sort of the home of this overriding of democracy given that this is sort of where this whole downward hills like started in the u.s right with the whole bush v gore decision right yeah it's true that and texas because the thing that texas did in order to circumvent the legislative the legislative body was that they just they just said executively so the currently existing definition of child abuse applies to to quote transitioning children um verb as though it's something you're forcing upon them 
uh, uh, and then they instructed the Child Protective Service to start investigating those families. So that was like two very clear instances of using executive power to just pretend like the pretend like the legislative body didn't already review this and decide not to pass it. I guess there's a sort of idea in these states that like because they have the governors are like sort of like these big wigs. Like the, the, the people have been talking, like one of the big things that I've heard from the midterms is like all this talk about DeSantis as like this fucking rising star. Oh God. Despite basically him getting in, like was like, they sort of did a lot of vote rigging in, in Florida. <laughs> like, I don't know if you can call him like a success story. And also like, he doesn't have the charisma that Trump has. And I don't know why everyone seems to think that he's going to be more popular. Um, can you tell me anything about DeSantis? How, how much do you know about DeSantis? And what his and what this actually means? What does this mean for the world if this fucking guy becomes head of the Republican Party? Uh so it could be really bad or it could be great because I mean, <laughs> politically in the in the history of politics in the United States, like if you look at elections in the U.S., typically speaking, if there are two strong frontrunners for one of the two major parties, that party's going to lose. Because, you know, if you if everybody can unite behind one candidate and say all of the Democrats are going to support this one guy, but then the Republicans are like still trying to push Trump and at the same time Ron DeSantis is gaining popularity and like they both kind of have this like tough guy act, except that a lot of people think that Trump is a pussy bitch now because he was like voted out and was taken off of Twitter as a platform. Um, Like I think that his legitimacy has been really damaged uh, by a lot of just, you know, his behavior. So Ron DeSantis comes in and has kind of the same swagger and the same, like, I went to, I fraternized with high schoolers when I was a teacher uh, at the parties where they were drinking and stuff, you know, like the same kind of stuff that Trump was admired for. Um, and like, you know, getting away with shit, I think was kind of one of the things that made people find him admirable. Um, so they're like, oh, this guy, like he can, he can do anything. Uh, so technically speaking, if Trump really guns it hard for the presidency again, and there's a like a the rest of the Republican Party is kind of turning away from him and going like, oh, no, we're not going to run this guy. We're going to run Ron DeSantis instead because Trump's base is pretty devoted to him. Like what's left of it, at least I I feel that it could potentially be good for us, but it also depends on who we run in the Democratic uh side of things like are we going to run biden again uh, i don't know that people have a lot of faith in him because of his apparent dementia <laughs> yeah, are they going to run like, kamala that seems like a bad idea you know oh god <laughs> like, like, i don't think that's going to swing well no but like, like, i don't know like like even like the, you, you say all that but like if he could hit to santa speak i'm not getting any of that from him you know what i mean i don't know if that's just a vibes thing or i think like, it's what? just a pr thing yeah that uh he's cracking down on this transgender menace and the Republican party is kind of positioning that as their main thing. Really? Yeah. This is what confuses me about it the most is that he's like, obviously like people are now like the Lincoln project and shit. Obviously they're always crap. They're Mm. talking about like how, um, Oh, the DeSantis, we're back in DeSantis. He's the moderate candidate. It's like, no, he's got, he's a far right candidate. He's got all the same fucking policies as Trump. He's just Mm -hmm. not Trump. And it feels like, what's like, if, if you're not like an openly corrupt guy and you just like, a behind-the-scenes corrupt guy that's now the moderate position? Like, is yeah. this nothing to do with policy? I, I, it really, it really baffles me. And, like, I don't trust Biden not to run again. 
Because if mm-hmm. you remember in um, 2020, there's this whole thing where Obama apparently told him, you don't have to do this, Joe. And he did it anyway. Um, and he said he's going to run again. The Democratic, the head of the, 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 well, the National Democratic Party is obsessed with trying to put Kamala in, but everyone fucking hates her. And I think now they know that because they've had to like hide her away and send her on like fucking fetch quests around the US to distract her. She's so with, weird. Every time I so see her weird. on camera, she's just so like in- inhuman almost. She is like that, um, you know, that scene where she's talk- was singing The Wheels on the Bus? And it looks like that fucking, um, the scene in Dark Knight where the Joker's blown up the hospital. But like, there's just. <laughs> It's just something about her. Like, she's just not... There's something just not connecting there. And I don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like... she's trying they're too not, hard. They're not going to... Bernie... Would, would Bernie run again? I don't know no. if he should. Um, but also, like, who else would there be? It's going to be a very strange time. Um, but in other news, this is... So, okay, so I want to get you down on this. I've since I started paying attention to American politics um, when I um, was old enough to like work out what the fuck was happening. Um, I'm very confused that you guys, in between your four-year presidential ele- and elections and all the all the stuff, because you have the Senate and the House elections at the same time as those as well. Mm-hmm. You have a two-year stint in the middle where voter turnout goes way down, and almost universally, like everything flips so that the government can't do anything. Yeah, that's exactly and- how it goes. Yeah. And so now this result where Democrats didn't do as badly as they could have done, where they held that they held the Senate and they lost the House, but better but not as badly as they were projected to. And this is being sort of spun as a victory. Now I know because I've been following it for a while that this is basically a victory, but that's kind of fucked situation that it would be. Like why is this the situation that you go into where like you have two years to do things in which Biden does nothing and then everything freezes to a halt, and then the, the Republicans spend the next two years trying to, like, ban transgender kids in sports or whatever before they try and launch another fascist candidate. Is this, like, the and normal state of affairs? shutdowns over budgets. Right. Is this meant to be the normal state of affairs, or is this, like, a recent thing? Because I've only been paying attention to American politics for, like, the last ten years, and you've grown up there, so... I mean, you know, I started paying attention like only about 13 years ago maybe um Mm. when i was a teenager like yeah i I was like invested in obama's election the first time that was like the first time i really cared as well (laughs) yeah yeah i was watching um john stewart's coverage like they just had him on like all night (laughs) um uh yeah so i don't really think that it's I don't know how much intentionality you can ascribe to the the fact that that's the way that the system works. I just think that there isn't, there's like a whole lot of importance culturally placed on the presidential elections. Like when we were in elementary school, we did mock elections when I was in like first grade and we did, it was for the president. Like you are kind of taught from a young age that that is the big deal. There isn't as much marketing, frankly, when we're talking about the midterm elections like uh in the state of kansas where i live we had a a ballot initiative where they were trying to push a constitutional amendment um to enable the legislature to restrict the right to abortion because presently uh according to our state supreme court we have the right to abortion because of how our constitution is worded like according to the interpretation of the wording of our state constitution we have the right um, and they had the vote 
uh, not only on a midterm year, but during the midterm primary in August. Like the regular vote happens in November. This happened in August. So like, they were really trying to time it so that not many people would vote. But almost half of the entire adult population turned out to vote. And like consequently, a about a quarter of the total adult population in my state voted to protect abortion rights, which was crazy. But it's really out of the ordinary. And I wish that people would take that momentum and say, like, that's what we should do every midterm. Because what if what if my state could flip Democratic if that same number of people turned out and voted across the board for Democratic candidates, you know, however, there's the gerrymandering as aspect of it as well. So it's hard to make those kind of changes. I, I really do think it's a marketing issue and that old people don't have as much to do and old people tend to vote Republican. So you have mostly elderly people voting in the midterms, you know, people who can take the time off work. Some people can't even take the time off work for the presidential election. Keep that in mind as well, that options are not made available. So I would say at this time, the mechanisms are probably being exploited for the purpose of grinding things to a halt. Like I can't, I can't look at the whole system the way that it's working at the present and say like, this is an accident. It seems more like kind of what we're talking about with the NHS, like a series of bureaucratic systems, like upholding themselves for the sake of their own perpetuation and which are highly resistant to change. You know, this is why I'm an anarchist now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'm there with you, to be fair. <laughs> I sort of switch like, between like which, which flavor of socialism I'm into based on like how pessimistic I'm feeling in the world, but I'm usually an anarchist. So we'll see how that, we'll see how that lasts. <laughs> yeah, I just recently was like, uh-oh, <laughs> states only exist to perpetuate themselves and not to serve the people. That means that they're not good systems. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> um, but, like, but it's so frustrating you're right about the, the, that we can't get anything done and that oh, like biden didn't get much done the first couple of years and now we're gonna have like okay it seems like the midterms didn't go as badly as they could normally go so maybe uh, we'll still be able to like get some things done but we have the filibuster still and and uh, uh, biden is gonna use like the fact that things didn't get much worse during his term to yeah. run again it kind of seems yeah it does seem that way um yeah. i i the thing is with with all this stuff like i mean like it just gets to the core of like why this stuff is just why this whole si whole system is a bit kind of crumbling apart like if no one can get to, if people can't get the time off to work like why is it not a national holiday why are we rigging it to like weird districts just so there's like you get a republican candidate in um why is there like long queues in areas where there's more like urban voters and shit like it's just they're literally closing so... voting centers in right. high population places so it's like if you have to travel there well if you don't have a car you have to use public transit it's going to take you two hours to even get there and then you got to stand in line all day and they're restricting mail-in uh voting and like calling into yeah. question mail-in votes as as like illegitimate you know yeah it's so nakedly like corrupt and so nakedly like rigging the system Mm -hmm. But I do think one of the good things, and I say that like very like hesitantly about Trump being in and him being very conspiracy minded, is because I think a lot of his base now don't trust voting, because he said explicitly like mail-in votes are fraud and stuff like that to try and just justify his own his own um, stance. 
Obviously, like his base is all very, very anti-vax, even though he wasn't himself. A lot of them seem to have died during COVID, mm-hmm. which isn't good, but it does seem to have shifted the demographics somewhat as well. It does sort of seem like Republicans are standing in this sort of like zombie party when most of their base is dead. Um, which is sort of the way that conservatives happen over here as well, where like the people who are voting for them are all retired, but there's just mm-hmm. a large enough retired population and the, we don't have a proportional voting system. If you look at the actual conservative membership, most of, the, most of, most of their financial donations come from dead people. Um, and yet it still like carries on as it does. Um, and I think partially in the UK and the US, actually, this is propped up by the fact that like there's a, we have this two-party system. And the UK like is technically not, but it kind of is. Um, because the third party just basically this is a spoiler to stop the second party getting in. Um, yeah, the, the Green Party in the US. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but where the second party, like the alternative to the um, destroy everything and bring in fascism party is how about we just keep everything the same and maybe we'll change a couple of things party. And I think when this, when everything is so obviously falling apart, like when inflation's rising as it is, when... Um, when things are so unequal, when so people are so worse off, when climate catastrophe is looming, like people want change. They don't want let's just keep things the same. And I think as long as we don't have another option, I don't know how this is going to go, and I'm not sure how sustainable this is. And I really see this in my country as well. Now that the fucking the UK Labour Party is shifting further and further to the right, they recently said they're the same as the Tories on immigration, which is insane. Oh. Um, so like now it's just like well what what is what can we even do now you're promising like you can vote for us and you won't get change but you won't get those guys it's like well that's what Biden ran on mm-hmm. and he basically only won the first time because Trump messed up so much with fucking covid that shouldn't be your strategy going forward like i don't know why everyone's so in well i do know why because this is what always happens is the people in power are invested in keeping the power going because they have it but it's not sustainable and I don't know if they know what they're fucking with. Because people aren't going to be able to afford to pay the bills and shit. People aren't going to be able to afford to do all this shit. Like, like with the recent um, thing that's going on this week with um, Biden interfering with like the fucking railroad strike contracts and stuff and actively going against the workers' decisions. I don't know if they think it's going to work. If they think that people just sit down and listen to them or they know they're aggravating what should be their base. And it... I don't want to be sitting here as we have no options other than doing other than like actively trying to fight for stuff because it would be much easier if we had an option where we could actually just vote for something fucking different and it seems like increasingly that's just not happening yeah it's really frustrating i feel like there must be an existing political term for the phenomena that we're describing here because like what we're describing is like every time the republicans or conservatives in your case like get um get further, like every time they get voted in, they pull things further to the right. And then when the Democrats or the Labor Party comes in, they're like, you know, we're just going to kind of keep things the same. And so everything just like incrementally moves further and further right. I don't, I feel like there has to be a a term for this. Um, I just don't know it. But yeah, it really does seem like they just have absolutely no interest in, excuse me, helping people. And, and actually listening to the will of the voters and stuff like that you could have hundreds of people protest outside the NHS offices because they have been just denied medical care. Um, and the NHS like to just not acknowledge that that protest occurred is 
you know, like it, it truly is disempowering. Like, what are you supposed to do? And the more you disempower people and the more people like, I know in your country, there's uh, the energy crisis is so bad that like people were like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to afford my uh, gas bill to keep my flat warm this winter. Like if you kick all those people out onto the street because they can't afford to pay their rent and everything, you're okay, just going to have a whole bunch of people on the street who have nothing better to do than plot their revenge? <laughs> like, I don't know what you expect. Like, are you going to chase them all around with bulldozers knocking over their tents 24-7? It's like, if, you, if you're trying to recreate the fall of the Bastille, you're doing a pretty fucking good job. Because, yeah. like, once you shove people out on the streets, they've got nothing to do, nothing to lose, and the people that, that, that have done this to them are just sitting right in front of them in huge, grand buildings. Like, what do you think they're going to do? They're gonna try and get their fucking shit back, but like, yeah. <laughs> I like like the, we have this this don't pay campaign in the UK, which um, was made was was like largely quashed earlier when Liz Truss promised that she'd do something about energy bills, but that's gone back on. So December, don't pay if you don't want to pay your energy bills. There's a national strike going on. This mm. is some very unusual behaviour, and I think this comes down to what they were worried about slash aren't worried about, because I think generally the last. 20 or so years when there's been big protests it's been mostly like young and middle-aged people protesting and mm. the governments in know that they they only need to rely on the old people as a swing vote because they're the people who do most of the voting and um, they're most the pop they're the large they're a little huge proportion of the population young people aren't large enough to sway it um this has become less relevant now that after covid but still mm. um but, like, they, they weren't bothered about the Iraq war protests. They weren't bothered about, like, a bunch of the anti-Brexit protests. They weren't bothered about a lot of the really insane... A lot of the really, really big protests around the cost of living. The, the one thing that really, really got to them was this don't pay strike. And the, this lot of idea that, like, oh, we just won't pay. Like, they weren't bothered if we were angry, as long as we were just, like, being angry. Like, once you start actually den denying them like the the money that they they expect that's when they started trying to change things and i think we need to sort of get on that and they need to sort of learn the lessons from that which i don't think they are um in this country especially and i'll go i'll go into this now um liz trust basically tanked the uk economy in like two weeks in like two weeks um following uh, killing the queen basically and mm -hmm. then uh <laughs> um, she tried to do like neoliberalism on steroids basically just like well, fuck everything. No, all, all. Um, we're just gonna do Milton Friedman's wet dream, and we're gonna like, we're we're just we're just going to like borrow a bunch of stuff just so we can cut everything, and it it just crashed everything. It, everything crashed, and um, now we have Rishi Sunak in, who was her opponent in the leadership election, who is more, who was Boris Johnson's chancellor. Um, he's the richest MP in Parliament, maybe in even in history. Um, mm. His wife's a billionaire. Um, he officially doesn't live in the UK. I think he just changed that recently, so he could be prime minister um, because he wanted to for tax reasons. Um, he was he was a former Goldman Sachs banker, and he's kept on this guy Jeremy Hunt, who oversaw the destruction of the NHS and wrote a book on how to destroy the NHS. And he's oh basically God. yeah, and so he's basically holding together this coalition of like Boris Johnson heads who were like just want like basically they want like mild funding for de deprived areas plus rabid social conservatism um and the conventional tories from like 2010 onwards to more like austerity heads they just don't they think we should just like cut everything and jeremy hunt who's the new chancellor is very much from that era he was the he was the health secretary under david cameron and george osborne where they initially implemented a bunch of the austerity that's got us in the crisis to begin with mm. um 
And he's basically in there trying to put the reins on stuff, and a lot of the people who got in under Johnson, who stood in 2019, under the, basically, programme of fuck trans people and brown people, and pro, but we, we love Brexit and also give money to the North, which was never going to happen. But it's the idea they had in their head as what they, of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very angry. They're trying to push him out. So there's already been moves made to coup him. I don't think it'll work. I don't think we're going to have a year of the four prime ministers. Um, year of the three prime ministers is pretty good, but I wanted that nice round number. Um, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And it looks like what's going to happen is he's going to stay in. He's going to do austerity again. It's just going to get worse for a while. And he's going to keep things stable enough that the Labour League goes down to what it normally is, which is not a lot, um, because they were doing quite well when Liz Truss was in. And then we don't know what, what whatever happens next. Um, Keir Starmer is basically just saying, I am a Tory. So if, if him and Rishi Sunak stand next to each other and both make a speech, they'll sound exactly the same. And then we'll end up in the situation we had pre-2015, which a lot of centrists in this country don't seem to realise is why Corbyn got in in the first place, because we wanted something fucking different. Like, we didn't want another Tory. We wanted mm. someone who actually wanted to change things. And people were fucking excited. Like, we had a hope for the first time in our lives. And, like, all these people, like, when Corbyn got in, they're like, oh, how did this happen? How did this ever happen? We've got to put them back in the box when you sensible centrists. Like, people don't want sensible centrists. We don't want things to stay the same. They can't stay as they are. And, like, this is a thought problem that the democratic establishment, I think, has as well, because a lot of them, uh, especially in the older the older generation, because there's sort of this gerontocracy thing in America, mm-hmm. both parties, really, yeah. a lot of the higher-ups are, like, in the 80s and 70s, 80s and 90s. They've forgotten what it's like to not be loaded and, like, funded with, like, big donor money. They don't know what it's like to be poor anymore. They don't know what it's like to not be in the establishment. Like, even the wor- the ones that were from working-class backgrounds, you've been removed from it for, like, 50 years. It's very hard to imagine the situation now. And they're so far removed that it makes you really understand why, like, electoral why electoral politics is sort of referred to as a bourgeois system. Because these people, like, they're living, like, above the they're living like on the level above everyone else they're completely detached they have like they're looking down at us from a balcony and going oh well we should do this and they'll be fine like people are fucking struggling and people need to recognize that and until we have people in charge who actually recognize that or we don't have anyone in charge anymore maybe and we just all of us have a turn to decision making uh i mean that's probably not going to happen in the near future Mm. but like if people like if if people would listen to like aoc or whatever and just do some basic fucking social democratic reforms. They'd alleviate a lot of this stuff, but they just don't want to budge because they're so happy with what they've got. And they're scared of giving an inch in case we'll take a mile. But when you don't move, the mile will be taken from you. Like, you can't not give anything because then people have nothing to lose. But, I'm sorry, I've been on a bit of a rant. <laughs> Let me get yeah, no, I appreciate it. Sometimes I feel like I talk too much, so I like just letting you kind of like get it all out there. <laughs> <laughs> this is but how no, I, this is, is just how this is how I talk to Marta as well. I just go off on one for twenty minutes. Like I, we, I feel like if we were to do a, a a less structured podcast on a regular basis, that it would basically be the same as this, where we started out kind of talking about whatever, and then now we're just going on full like five minute rants about politics in our respective countries (laughs) like if we ever if we ever drink together (laughs) yeah exactly exactly I, I do feel like I do relate to that uh, that sort of um, the image of like oh and I'll never talk about politics five minutes later picture of Lenin like yeah. <laughs> you know like that's very much me or like the wine <laughs> bottle like the first the first couple inches of the wine bottle is like oh grandma you look lovely tonight and like the bottom couple inches is like you're a fascist Uncle Br- Uncle Brian like you know. <laughs>
<laughs> it's true. <laughs> I was at a family do um, a few months ago, and one of my uncles sat down, and he was like, um, do you reckon um, we could just have everything privatised as long as it's regulated and that would work well? And I was like, you've made a mistake coming into this conversation. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny. I felt bad, but I did go off on one for like 10 minutes. And then my, my, aunt, my aunt was like, how about we stop talking about this? I was like, well, he did bring it up. And he was like, yeah, I did. So, well. <laughs> I've had that happen we before at dinners where it's like the old the old family member brings up like Ayn Rand or something. And my reflexive reaction is to make fun of Ayn Rand. And then I realized that the older family member was like bringing her up in order to praise her. And I'm like, oopsie. Oh, no. Uh-oh, what have no. I done? <laughs> I see, see, <laughs> in, in, yeah, no. In, I feel like in the UK, you wouldn't bring up Iron Rand unless you are a conservative MP. Like no one else has fucking right. heard of Iron Rand. Like unless you're on the left and making fun of her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I was talking to like a seventy-year-old person, so uh, a seventy-year-old Republican. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I feel like it's quite interesting the generational differences there, though, because like, if I look at like my American side of the family, like I. There's some like, weird, weird stuff in there. Like, I, my, um, my grandma was a very much like a liberal. Um, her sister's like a massive leftist. Um, their, I don't their dad or their granddad was Confederate soldier, and I'm like, Jesus Whoa. fucking Christ, that's a change. And, like, <laughs> yeah, so hell I of thought, a shift. Yeah, I, th- I thought that their side, the American side, of the family would be quite nice, and it turns out no, one of them is a Confederate soldier, the other one's Canadian. Well, and. Uh, I don't know my Civil War history very well, but I don't know that soldiers weren't conscripted if they just, like, lived in Georgia or whatever, you know? Oh, no, no. My mum asked my great-aunt about it and said we don't talk—we never talked to him. We hated him. He okay. was the worst. he was into it. He was into it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is my great-aunt who, like, um, in her funeral picture had a Free Palestine badge on her hat. So <laughs> they, they didn't get on very well. Um <sighs> It's a very, very strange. Whereas, like, my dad's side, like, my dad's dad was a communist— I feel like that was a lot more common in the UK is that, like, a lot of the generation above the boomers were very pro-labour and very much, like, mm-hmm. identified as a worker worker, like, capital W worker. Whereas, like, it was the sort of the Thatcher generation of the boomers that's really swung this country to the right. And we haven't managed to grab it back from them since. And they're just sitting there, retired, going like, oh, fucking hell. Everyone's on fucking benefits these days. <laughs> that's my impression It's crazy of them. how much anti-worker sentiment there is. Oh, who's, that was your impression of who? Oh, just um, the uh, just uh, just the average gammon, as we call them. Your dad? <laughs> Not my dad. Your, your, the proverbial your dad. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> yes. I'm. It's a philosophy tube reference again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recognized. I just thought, just in case my dad's listening, it's not about you. No, no, no. I tried to. I tried to put a, like a hard like your like your dad like. Your dad. It's not like your dad. Your no, dad. It's your dad. Your dad. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta <laughs> like for me. I gotta leave the R off of the end of that word. Your dad. Your dad. <laughs> um, other, other, in other news, though, like there was some, there was some good stuff out of those midterms, right? Like Fetterman got in. He seems cool, apart from like being pro-Israel. But like, he can't have everything, I guess. Yeah, He's a large he can't man. have everything. <laughs> we did have like, some successful, yes, yeah, some su- successful elections where some people who we really didn't want to get in didn't get in. Yeah, yeah. Did Bobert win in the end? I can't. I can try. I was trying to find an update on that because I felt like she was about to lose. But people are still talking about her as like she's still in. Uh, well, she will still be in until the um, until the swearing ins happen. But uh. 
Uh, she- I don't think she did win. It was a very close thing, but I don't think that she got back in. There we go. Just let me get these ones out. They are running, though. Like, a lot of these people, a lot of the people the Republicans put on the ticket were, like, proper QAnon people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you are going to try and move to, like, away from Trump, it's probably not best to put under people who are literally cultists for Trump. Yeah, like Trump candidates, Trump associated candidates didn't win. It's also worth noting that a lot of the candidates that ran really hard and like primarily focused in on the anti-trans rhetoric didn't win. So uh, it could be that, uh, like we hope at least, that this is a losing choice for the Republicans. Like, f you know, fingers crossed, like let's hope that enough people either think that trans people are good and they know trans people in their lives or who are just like this is a stupid issue you can't make me care about this because it's not really a big problem like but the problem is that like ramping up the rhetoric around pedophilia and drag queens and all that stuff it's like hard for so people who are susceptible to that rhetoric are going to be more likely to be incentivized to at least vote against it if not to like be you know, interpersonally shitty, like with, you know, obviously rampant, uh, violence, increased hate crimes, club Q shootings, etc. And the other problem, uh, I just want to wrap that up really quick. That thought one other problem with it is that if you have pedophilia as the accusation against you, a lot of liberals and centrists who may have otherwise been sympathetic, who may be sympathetic to like gay rights in general are not going to stand with you. Because even if the accusations are false, nobody wants to be adjacent to pedophilia accusations. Hmm. So I feel like that's sort of like, people talk about that like it's a good plan, but I, don't, I think it's just pl not played out like that. And it, I, I saw this first in the Australian elections, I think I've talked about this before, where they ran on, where the Australian Conservatives, which is called the Liberal Party, they ran on um, basically anti-trans stuff. And no one gave a shit. Like, no one bought it. And it's the same with the Republicans, I think. I think a lot of people... I think mainly people don't give a shit. And there's people that really care. But I think there's very few people that are rabidly anti-trans. But the ones mm -hmm. that are, are very rabid. So, yes, if you if you play, like, anti-trans stuff, people will go out and vote for it. But it will be a hard minority. I think the one thing it really does do, and we've seen this in the wake of this, like... Obviously, there's been rig ramping up recently, and it's really come to a head in the, in that, in the recent mass shootings. Um, but like, the, it really does increase like the heat and the the sort of a chance of stochastic terrorism. Mm -hmm. This sort of like this accusation that like these people are coming after your kids and they're going to take your kids away. That will make people kill people, and it has been making people kill people. Mm -hmm. I don't think it makes people vote, and I think one of the and that's not a hope, hopeful message, even though like it will probably lead to let to net the Republicans having a real hard time getting back hit, because it means that people are going to fucking die. And so if mm -hmm. they settled for their strategy being, we can't win the votes by persuading people, so we're going to fucking kill them. That's a really dangerous turn. Uh, this is like this is the strategy that people like you know Putin have used before, where they're like, well. I'm just going to put these people in jail or, like, execute them rather than trying to persuade them. And I don't know if I trust, like, a like a, another Republican gets a chance to do something like Trump did, like Trump tried to do, to take over, um, mm. to come in and, tr and not do the Putin thing and be like, well, these are my opponents, let's put them all away. I mean, the US did enough of that in fucking other countries, like in Chile and um, a bunch of places in Central America. Like, it's, like, very clear the US and the US military are willing to do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I We're don't think 
Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And this is part of the problem. There's this whole Foucault's boomerang thing where what sort of is done in war comes back to the metropole and is sort of put back on your own citizens, like the sort of disappearances and stuff they use in Iraq coming out and being used like swatting in, on, on people at home. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, uh, it, it's quite scary. And like, I don't think... I think this is a uniquely American problem because of the gun culture, in a way. Mm-hmm. Not that it means it can't happen over here, but if it's a lot harder to do it successfully over here. Whereas as long as there's like a big gun culture in the US, if you, if you are motivated to go out and kill people, you have the means to do so. And that's really fucking scary. And I don't know if the Republicans know they're unleashing that. I don't know. Well, oh, I, actually, I'll take that back. I don't think they... I think they know and they either don't care. But like, I don't think they know it's not going to work out for them. I, they probably don't give a shit. But I don't think they are ready for what that means for them to just be basically like this Yal Qaeda group. Like, right. <laughs> like I mean, it's, it's, it is scary. Like, what's going to happen? Um, I don't know if you saw the pictures of the John Brown Gun Club uh, standing guard outside of a drag brunch, mm. and it's like just a you know a bunch of our people dressed all in black um, and carrying their very serious looking guns around uh, in in like just downward defensive positions to provide pr- uh, protection because there was a protest of the drag brunch happening and locals in the community asked the John Brown Gun Club to come protect them. And like, what is going to happen at one of these events? Is some is yeah. some crackpot gonna decide that the fact that there are armed people there represents like a challenge? Um, I feel like that's not entirely unreasonable because Americans are fucking crazy. Mm. Uh, or you know, is someone going to like? I'd like. Are we gonna need to engage in community self defense in that way? Is like the real question. If someone had had a gun in the bar, you know. Uh, at the club queue shooting, I don't know if that would have made any specific difference. If they had had armed guards outside, probably. Mm. See, I don't know if it will because like, if, if you look at like the way that people reacted, like the shooter did get taken down, but it's the re- in the time in between them reacting to him and him coming down, though the damage is done, right? Like he was stomped to the ground, like uh, like a trans woman took him out. Yeah. Um, but like, it's very hard. Like, once someone, if someone gets a gun out in the club, you're not going to know what's going on with the first three seconds. And by the time, if you've got like a machine gun, you can do a lot of damage in like three seconds while people are working out what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Before anyone even knows what's happening, someone was like, "I heard gunshots, but I thought that it was just part of the music." Yeah, exactly. But I, th- I do think it is. It is starting to shift around in that case, with it, where it is sort of leading less into just individual sort of stochastic terrorist attacks to more of like a baiting a civil war situation especially since when trump got elected there was a report of many many more like left and liberal people learning learning to shoot and getting a gun and i think that's a very dangerous situation where we're getting if we do have both sides armed and both sides ready to like either defend or kill the people inside that's a very dangerous situation i i don't know if you can sustain a country where you basically have like a partisan war happening under the like extra legally like where neither side is like fighting for the government but they're both fighting each other i mean that's happened in a bunch of places and it's not gone well um and i don't know if the state would be able to stay out of that and that once it gets involved that's a full-blown fucking 
Civil War. And I don't see the moves needed to sort of get this under control. Mm-hmm. I think we might have missed the opportunity in a way by sort of waiting until the rhetoric is so high, like years later after Trump and stuff and everything, like now they're waiting for an excuse to crack down against them. And if you try and crack down, they'll react. I think there was probably an opening to do it maybe a decade ago. And now it's just kind of kind of fucking scary, to be honest. Yeah, and things have escalated now to a point where five people who are just out to have a good time with their friends, some of whom were there to celebrate a birthday, um, will just die. And then 25 other people can be severely injured. And the response to that mass shooting is like, well, you should have known better. And, like, if you guys would just stop being such freaks, then we wouldn't kill you. Like, that is, like, the actual response on on Twitter that I've seen is people being like, I don't care, and also fuck you, and, like, stop grooming kids, and maybe this will stop happening. That's And that's absolutely the most worst and most sickening part to me. Like, they're not even pretending to do the fucking thoughts and prayers shit anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I, we knew they weren't honest when they were saying that shit. We're like, oh, don't politicize this. We care about these people. But now they can feel like they can go mask off with it, which is sort of terrifying because it means that they think they're winning. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think they are, but I think it's saying something that they're not willing to even put up the fucking kayfabe anymore. They're not willing to pretend that they are civil. They're, they're all down now with the fucking culture war turning into an actual war. Um, with these people like, well, fucking Stephen Crowder and Matt Walsh and all this shit just being like, yeah, fucking stop grooming kids. Like, well... What can you fucking say to that? What can you fucking say to that? If people die and they're like basically saying good mm-hmm. and they're not, no one's going to punish them for it. I and mean, Elon Musk certainly not going to fucking do it. Um, and, and I wouldn't want it, the consequences for that, I guess, to be just banning on Twitter. Like, I feel like we should be fucking, I don't. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's fucking. It's, it's it's disgusting. And the fact that these people like have the influence and power that they do is really upsetting. Especially now we're seeing this whole. I don't know if you've been following this whole like sort of, Kanye radicalization tour, that's been happening. <laughs> Only insofar as Twitter will not stop talking about it. Yeah. Well, there was this whole thing where like Kanye was seen in public with Nick Fuentes, yeah. who was like an out and out fascist white nationalist. Um, like he's out he's an open Nazi. Um like this is beyond anything. And also he believes like black people should all fucking die, so I don't know why Kanye's hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he was caught hanging out with him, and then with Milo Yiannopoulos, um a lot of people will have recognized his name. This is a fascist guy who basically just wanted to be the the fucking pick me gay for the fascists mm-hmm. and then decided that it wasn't gonna work anyway because fascists don't like gay people, so he decided his ex-gay now, and his husband's just a friend. It's a very sad career trajectory. Um, and then he, they all went to visit Trump. Trump basically called them all bitches and said that they were going to lose, which is quite funny. Um, but it does mean that now that like they, Nick Fuentes and stuff, they have the sort of, like, we have dined with President Trump, which gives them legitimacy. And then they went on Tim Pool's podcast. Tim Pool's another fascist guy who pretends he's a centrist, but he's a fascist. And he, I think he was another one of those that was on about, that was saying, like, good, you're all groomers. Um, and... They were on his podcast trying to spread this fucking anti-Semitic message, and they're just going around just making it clear this is what they're about now. And like these are major political figures. He now because Kanye decided he has enough clout to fucking run for president. Now I don't think he will, because he didn't manage it last time. It would be time. very funny. It would be very funny. But also I don't think like he would. I don't think he would stand a chance. 
I don't. I think he doesn't realize that people who like him also like Trump, and they like Trump better than him. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, we'll I see. Think... That would be a three-way split for the Republicans, so I will welcome it. Yeah, but like, I don't think there are that many people on his side. I like. I think he really does think there's more than there is. Uh, but I think this with the Santas as well. It seems very much like when they were pushing. Um, was it Ted Cruz? Or was it Marco Rubio they were pushing last time? I think it was Ted Cruz, where they were trying to push like anyone but Trump, and they all mm-hmm. sort of fell over and pretended they were with Trump all along. Like it just seems like they're desperate to not have him as the candidate. But as soon as he is the candidate again, which he will be, because he's immensely popular with their base, they're just going to fall fucking fall in fucking line again. And I don't think he'll get back in, but I don't see any way that the Republicans will de-radicalize anytime soon. There doesn't seem to be a push for that. Like if anything, DeSantis is accepting Trump's policies like you would what you would want and like to see something different right would be like to sort of see this de-escalation and how they come back down from this um or like how this turns around like if you think about like the mid-20th century when the republicans and democrats essentially switch positions like when their position becomes untenable they sort of change their policies which is weird for political parties but it only kind of works as neither of them really had an ideology um but right now we're kind of stuck with these two parties one's insistent on being fascist the other one is maybe we'll slowly be able to drag them towards a more socialist position, but I doubt they'll take it. Um, it it's going to be a very interesting few years to watch, but I mean, if anything, and this sounds really weird, given what's been happening in recent years, it feels less like there's going to be something really kicking off than there did a couple of years ago. Like something massive. I don't know what you, you think about it, that. It feels like less uh, volatile now. Is that what you're? Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's that's an outside observer's talking though, so I don't know if it feels different being inside the belly of the beast. If the PR's just got better because Biden's in. No, it's the PR for sure. Um, this is why I value Twitter so much as a news source, which is it's unfortunate that it's dying as a platform for that reason. Because you know, on the news, we're not talking about COVID anymore. Biden's doing great. Uh, employment is up the economy is up um the gdp is doing great whatever um uh but no like as someone who lives here and because my job is to be aware of the news happening around trans people specifically like there's very little that happens in this country that has to do with trans and queer people that i don't find out about so i know about like all the details about the shooting i know about like so we've had this like actual shooting at this bar that was supposed to have a drag brunch event the next day for 18 plus uh, participants. Uh, but that's, that's called all ages at a bar. And so you can say, Oh, it's an all ages show. There's going to be kids there. But even months before that in June, there was like a, a bakery, a donut bakery that was going to have a drag brunch. And they had like a, a rock or a brick thrown through their front windows and the community is still to this day. Someone in my co- in my uh, live chat lives in in sh- suburban Chicago where this happened, and reports that to this day, community members are still having to guard that area because there are still threats against the bakery. Like uh, a different bar had a uh, supposedly had a drag event, and people tried to force their way into the bar, and police just stood around watching, and then the employees of the bar like pepper sprayed out the door and so everybody clears out and goes away but like they tr- they still tried to force entry molotov cocktails thrown through the windows of bakeries having drag events like 
Proud Boys showing up at library storytime hours, which they're planning to do again uh, this upcoming month, I think, in Columbus, Ohio. Like, to me, it's very clear that, you know, elections aside, um, like, things are fucking bad. And I'm concerned and I want to get out of here. I have younger siblings who I am I'm choosing to remain here for the time being because I need to prepare them for adulthood. Like, I need to help my parents like I have a younger trans brother who's like 16 and he needs guidance and I can't just like leave. Um, but I, I have to like work on getting us out of here collectively because I'm scared for all of our futures. I'm scared for all of our lives. I'm scared for all of our access to healthcare. And like, those are some very serious things to have to process. Like, I don't know how you feel over there. I know that with the NHS and everything, it's really a difficulty because people can't access healthcare. You're much further in your transition so the wait times and stuff don't affect you as much but like does it not feel like you could just get clapped like at any moment because it kind of feels that way to me sometimes i mean i guess that the difference of living in britain it's more the social murder than the actual murder right like... yeah i mean it's both here but yeah the actual murder is certainly ramping up a, a bit here yeah like I, I don't know like it doesn't feel safe to be a trans person in this country and it hasn't for like a couple of years um, mostly this last year, especially because they're sort of ramping up the hate, sort of, they're trying to do a bit more of that as a sort of, like, they're trying to culture war away to, uh, to uh, they're trying to, like, magically culture war in a distraction from all the poverty that's happening, which isn't working. Um, mm -hmm. But they will keep trying, and I have no doubt about that. Like, the worse it gets, the more they'll try and ramp this up. And it won't help, but it won't help us. It'll make things worse for us. Um, I, I am quite worried they're just going to make trans healthcare just illegal like i i i death i know they're basically be like be toying with that for like youth the mm -hmm. once you've put once you've let that cat out of the bag you can put that up and i know there's a lot of people particularly there's people in the cab conservative cabinet who are like rabid like put them in camps transphobes mm -hmm. and i know like if they if they could they would in a heartbeat like make it illegal for us to transition in which case i would have to move to continental europe like straight away um, yeah, but like the difference there is that I'm don't have to worry about like the shootings and stuff, and I feel like fucking blessed for that. Really, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I said it before, and I kind I I understand like as a socialist that like people have there's an argument for keeping like guns uh, just so the state can't come after you or whatever. I, I that's not what it is, and don't come for me, gun <laughs> people. But like. As someone who lives in a country where, like, not even the police have guns for the most part, I feel a lot safer than I would in another environment because people would be coming after us. Like, the UK is such a hotbed for turfism. If mm -hmm. those guys had access to guns, they would be coming after us. And thank God they don't. And it doesn't mean the bad stuff isn't going to happen and transphobic hate crimes have been on the rise. Um, I feel very... I'm in a lucky position now where I have, like, so been transitioned for a long time. I did get physically assaulted and all that stuff when I was mid-transition. I don't feel good for like the people now who are transitioning in this environment where people are hyper-aware of what trans people look like and what they might do and all these conspiracy theories is fucking blood libel shit they're going after us with. Um, you know, the, 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 the rhetoric around Muslims has always been, atro been atrocious in, in this country for decades. That's not getting any better. Um, they've Pass the the passing a bunch of like anti um, GRT community laws to make like living as a traveler just illegal, which is a very European form of racism. That is, um, and I don't know 
when it's going to stop because I don't think that the current Labour Party even have got in would try and stop it. And that makes me really pessimistic in the short term for the future of this country. I do think in the UK there's another chance because of the way our, system, our parliamentary system works is that we could go for a new left party to try and push back on that and push on the stuff we had in the Corbyn years where we were, like, pro-LGBT, um, sympathetic to migrants, not mm-hmm. punishing people because of where they're from. But I think the mainstream parties have, like, got fucking terrified that might happen to them again, and it'd be an uphill struggle trying to get them in. And the fact that I'm still talking about party politics shows how hard it, it, it feels, because, like, you have no... It's very hard to have institutional pull here. Like a lot of like, like I, I don't, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself at least, I have no fucking time. I don't know where people find the time to like. A lot of people like God bless them find the time to like work and do social activism and all that stuff. Most of us just uh, we're working until we're fucking dead. Like you work all day and then you fall asleep and then you wake up again and you work again. Like mm. it's very hard to find time in that to fight for the rights you're losing. And I think that's one of the big problems is that if you make people this fucking poor. Where they're like they where like even to that point where the exhaustion from work is like well, if they've been working all day, and they can't their their home is freezing they can't go to sleep, that's the po- that's the breaking point. Um, mm-hmm. But you know I I'm worried about I'd be worried about moving too you know like I mean, I'm not continental Europe isn't necessarily a safe place I mean if I did move to Croatia like Serbia's right next door and uh, uh, they're making some moves um, mm-hmm. on Bosnia. Um, you know, Hungary's on the border. Fucking Orban's virulently anti-Semitic. We have um, Italy on the border as well. Maloney just got in. Fucking hell. Um, Mussolini, Mussolini again. Um, this must harder. Um, we have fucking Poland up there doing what they're doing. Um, contrary to what people believe, Putin will not will wouldn't get far enough to invade uh, Yugoslavia just because there's too many countries in the way. But he has an effect on Europe and, like, a lot of the Eastern European countries do take the lead from him when it comes to his virulently anti-LGBT stuff. And that's one of the reasons I think you're seeing a lot of this stuff in places like Poland and Ukraine. For as much as they want to they position themselves as anti-Putin, a lot of the talking, his anti-West talking points, which are just basically Republican talking points of, like, grooming and anti-LGBT, they are absorbing them. And that's coming throughout the West, throughout Europe, from the East to the West. Like, Serbia's really in Putin's pocket right now. Um, uh, scary. Um, but at the same time, I'm, you know, like, I've got American family, I've got American friends. I, I'm more worried about the U.S., because the temperature there's been so high for so long, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily sustainable, and I'm very worried about that. Um, especially with all with like the amount of like mass shootings we have in the last ten years, like that's not a normal thing to happen in a country. Mm-hmm. That's like a country on the brink of something real fucking bad, and the fact that no one's tried to get it under control is just. And it reminds me of, like, how failed states sort of emerge, you know what I mean? Like, where, like, the problems are just sort of happening and you're sort of pretending then the problems aren't there so that you can sit around and count and count the fucking money at the top. Like, if, this, if the Democratic Party and the Republican Party have no interest in stopping these, like, the, the, the environment of hate that's created these mass shootings or stopping access to the fucking weapons they're using then they're just going to carry on until one is more violent than the last, you know? Like, these civil wars and stuff don't start, like, with someone saying, I am going to do a civil war. <laughs> they start, like, they start by accident. 
Like, if you, thought, if you look at, like, say, like, uh, some, like, the Russian, the French Revolution, like, a half of the time when these things kick off, some, there's a big protest, the police ends up shooting into the crowd, the people get angry, and then the, the next thing you know it, the whole fucking regime's toppled over. And I don't think, as long as you're not, as long as you're sitting there with your fingers in your ears, pretending the contradictions aren't heightening, you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Like, there's a reason why FDR was so successful, because he actually responded to the crisis in capitalism by trying to implement some social democratic reforms. Now, I don't think he went far enough, and I also think he did some fucking horrible shit. But mm. at the same time, like, he actually tried to do something to resolve it. And it seems like the people we have in, both in my country and your country, just want to sit there and pretend that everything's fine and nothing needs to change. But that's what makes things change mo most likely, and the, the most radical time of change, which is the stuff that they don't want. Um, oh, maybe we Sanders should have been smaller in. Maybe Sanders elections. <laughs> yeah, maybe Sanders should have been in. Yeah, like I, I would like it if we could get someone. If we could get more, like I am not represented in my government, and I feel I'm. You're, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like there is a growing number of people, and you're like thirty, and like I'm almost thirty. Like, like it's not like we are young like in the sense of like we're zoomers like it's not like we're teenagers here like all of us in like the 35 and under demographic do not have representation in our government at all like aoc is uh, she's she represents a very specific uh, uh district in new york um but otherwise our views are not actually being heard in any way like the climate catastrophe is is heightening to a point where it may become completely out of control if we haven't already crossed that threshold. Like it, it's it's I don't know what's going to happen, but we are certainly reaching some kind of tipping point. And I think we have to be careful about how we approach this as leftists because revolution can go one of two ways. Like we could have a leftist revolution, but frankly, more likely we're going to have a fascist revolution where that civil war that we're talking about isn't so much of a civil war as it is the police has a bunch of KKK members and probably a bunch of the National Guard members are also part of those same gangs and they will have the support. Uh, like, like whether or not the government has an official position on what happens, like on the ground, the reality is it's going to be the same bullshit as we had in Nazi Germany where the armed it was the i think it was the ss who went to the college to get a bunch of otherwise like unrecruited regular young men to come with them to burn all the books in the hirschfeld library like they like you can just whip up a crowd to go commit a violence against people because you have official backing from you know the police like if the police stand outside during mass shootings and like let all of your people die like what like, you know, you have to take community defense into your own hands. You have to... I mean, I just... I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I honestly... I always want to come I, back I, to you. I, I do think there's nothing more than, like, the Proud Boys would like than to be the new Freikorps. Like, I think yeah. if you called them up and said you will be the civilian fucking militia that will, like, crack down on leftists and shoot fucking Rosa Luxemburg and Carly Connect in the back of a van, they'd be like, fuck yes. Like, first fucking yeah. mention of it, they'd get AOC and Bernie in the back of the van and they'd fucking shoot them in the back of the head. Like, 100% they, they, would. they said they would. Yeah, they tried to do it. <laughs> like, let's not forget, like, they tried an insurrection in my country. They tried to, like, forcibly steal the ballots and overturn the election. 
Yeah, and honestly, I even like even with all of this, I ba- I don't know how this even happened. Like, but I basically forgot about the climate protests until you mentioned them just now, because like yeah. th- there are maybe like a two or three like politicians in my parliament that like really do represent my views, and they all care about the same things, but there's not enough of them, and they're being sidelined by their own parties, mm-hmm. and like I see like the people that fight and the people that are in charge of the response, like to like even like so there's a lot of climate protests happening in the UK right now, all non-violent. But there's this whole response right now, like, well, they need to be in jail for longer. Like, there's been a bill to put them in for 10 years. And then, like, um, even the Labour leader was on now, and he was saying, like, oh, yeah, I would punish them even harder. Like, why are you saying this? The world is going to fucking burn. And because they yeah. don't want it to, you're going to put them in jail for life? It's And, like, the the rhetoric that the right-wing newspapers are trying to heat up against them, like, they're saying that it should be okay to run them over with cars, it should be okay to, like, do all this horrible shit to them, it's like, they're literally just trying to save the fucking planet, and, like, this is, this is the, this is the thing, it's, like, the more violent stuff you say against, like, peaceful protests and protests that are more, like, more, more importantly, protesting something that almost everyone agrees with. Like, if you killed a bunch of climate protesters, you would get a a cross-class coalition in a fucking heartbeat against that. Like, there are very few issues that unite people as much as having a fucking planet. I was going to say to live on, but yeah, have a fucking fucking (laughs) planet, like a functional fucking planet. Like, you're not going to be able to, like... (sighs) Yeah, and there's a lot of of danger in all of this, and, like, people are trying to wreck this up all over the world. There's a big problem in Europe and the US, but Jesus Christ. Um... I think there is a way down. There is a way down from this, and it's to start solving the fucking problems. Um, I don't know how likely that is with a divided house. Um, but if you can get, like, three Republicans on board, you can do a little bit, I guess. But I don't know. I don't trust any Republicans do fucking anything. No. The one good thing is that we have the veto. Like, that's the scarier thing about DeSantis or Trump getting back in, is that at least while Marjorie Taylor Greene is... Like they've they've written a don't say gay bill that's a national level don't say gay bill that like is written so broadly it's like no federal funding can go to any uh like any organization which has children under ten coming in contact with trans people and it's like well does that mean that a hospital that staffs uh, with like one transgender nurse on staff will no longer receive federal funding so you can't employ trans people anymore in any place that receives federal funding. So no trans people can teach elementary school. Like when Marjorie Taylor Greene is trying to push this through, at least right now we have the veto, but in two years, if we don't have the veto anymore, we're fucked. Like we're very seriously fucked. Yeah. I will say the one thing the US has, and there's cold comfort given the actual situation, is that the actual, the people in charge of the Democratic Party at least are nominally in favour of LGBT Mm -hmm. rights. And I say that in that they won't do anything about it, but they will go on the record and say they're in favour of it. Which is a big step up, if we're being honest. Like, on the last 20 years, like, even Obama at the start, like, wouldn't commit to being pro-gay marriage. And, like, now um, in Britain we've backslided on that. We had a moment where we had Corbyn versus May, and they were both pro-trans rights. And that was, at that time... I thought like that's well. This is this just proves like no matter how bad it is, like at least we've won this. And mm-hmm. now we have like Starmer saying fucking Mumsnet rhetoric to Mumsnet, um, Sunak saying he's going to get rid of trans healthcare. Like, I will say that the one good thing that U- the US has right now is that the is that the government isn't endorsing the violence, which is a low fucking bar. 
Jesus Christ is a low bar, but it is the, the executive office isn't endorsing the violence. No, Again, okay, if you follow that's true, people, that's true. if you follow people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, she will tweet shit like, uh, "People need to use their Second Amendment rights to protect children and to, and you know against abortionists and illegal immigrants." Like, just basically, yeah, saying like people should use their right to own a gun in order to defend, quote unquote, against these groups. Are there not laws against threatening violence as a congressperson? Uh, I don't think so, I guess. Like, <laughs> would you have to impeach her? Like, <laughs> I suppose you would, yeah, because she was voted in. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Ugh. it's not a good time. <laughs> it does feel a little bit like the last days of the fucking Roman Republic, doesn't it? <laughs> like, we're watching a country fall, yeah, for sure. Like, it feels like watching civilization crumble. Yeah, like I feel like like you could like like when people like come in and trying to stop them or something. I feel like Biden and Bernie and stuff like sort of like this weird Gracchi tribute act. We're just trying to give a little bit back, and then we'll get the fucking the reactionaries. We'll have like Trump seller and will come in, and then when Caesar comes in, he'll get stabbed, and then we'll have like fucking God Emperor fucking Eric Trump or something. Yeah, oh my God, gonna... no. <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. Oh my God, can you imagine? No, I would rather fucking shoot myself, I think. And a lot of people, well, I think people, I think, I don't think he'd last very long, I think. Probably not. The one thing, the one good thing that we can say for Trump is that um, he hates his children as much as everyone else does. (laughs) So if they got in, he'd be like, no, terrible. Do not vote for Eric. Eric is awful. (laughs) I talk to Eric once and I don't stand for office, Eric. Do not stand. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> well do you want to stop ranting for today <laughs> yeah we probably should maybe i need like a hard drink <laughs> honestly I yeah can't. i see i shouldn't see that i'm like i'm sick i shouldn't be drinking um gotta, heal. Uh, you gotta rest and get better yeah exactly uh thank you for listening everyone um this has been mkg podcast um if you'd like to support this podcast um uh, we both have patrons patrons we both have patreons um, mine is a patreon.com slash Bridget Empire, B-R-I-G-I-T-T-E-E-M-P-I-R-E. And that's the one that I pay the fucking hosting fees for this from. Uh, patrons for that. Cool people. Uh, Nera Nia, Joey Cobalt, Naomi Wayne, Charlotte SMTNS, and Start Skarjan. Almost forgot that one for a second then. Um, you're all great. Um, help, they help us pay for this podcast. Thank you very much. Um, also, patreon.com slash Alexander. Um, our good friend here is moving next week into a different house it'd be good to have some money it would especially because views and stuff always go down in the winter time because people are what i don't know like spending time with their families or some shit i don't fucking Uh, (laughs) donate to my gofundme (laughs) exactly um yeah no instead of spending time with your family you could watch us both on youtube you could listen to this podcast again you could donate to us you could um, follow our Twitters and stuff like that, if they're still a Twitter, which there might yeah. not be. Um, and in the meantime, stay safe, stay warm. Um, try to keep yourself safe from the bad stuff. Get pepper spray and a taser if you can. Exactly. Uh, invest in bolt cutters. Yeah, true. <laughs> All right, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>